today. Is staff a storyteller good or is it nonsense? And March of the Machine spoilers again. Today on Eternal Dirtles. Be strong. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me, once again, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Uh, I I hear I hear that uh, everybody prefers Bryant on the well, on the podcast yeah. instead of which. To be fair, to be fair, so do I. So do I. <laughs> yeah, you well, know, I mean, I, I, you guys had that like weird battle, uh, you know, a couple days. Uh, we were Brian and I recorded on Sunday. We're recording now on Wednesday, and you guys like actually physically fought, and um, yeah, you you asserted your dominance, and uh, I guess I guess we have to just. As as uh, watchers of the show, you're all just gonna have to deal with the fact that Phil uh, Phil is uh, is is once again gonna be the host because he was able to uh, physically crush Bryant Cook. Apparently, I have never beaten Bryant in a game of <laughs> uh, sanctioned competitive magic before. But what well, was uh, an arm wrestling contest, much like uh, over the top? I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the only place that I can exert myself is through the dastardly means of you know a low blow when he's not looking to push him over the edge. So uh, thank you to Bryant for covering yeah. for me last episode. This past week I was covering the world's strongest man in South Carolina, so I had no time uh, at all to uh, talk about nerd cards. But we are going to today. But the one thing that I, I listened back to the Bryant episode, and I thought you guys were great. Ten out of ten would recommend. But I can't believe there's one story that he didn't tell. Oh, no. Bro. I assume you Bro. have several stories, but uh, please. I have so many stories, but there's <laughs> one in particular that I can't believe he didn't tell, bro. Okay. So, back when uh, he for, like was first overhauling, I mean, not first overhauling. He's overhauled the Epic Storm multiple times in the decade plus that he's been playing the deck. Uh, but there was one time where he started, once he adopted Taiga, right? He was like, this was back when Tiger King was like all the rage and culture because nobody had anything to do during the pandemic and people were like you got to watch this show it's terrible but like uh you can't look away etc etc so he adopts taiga into the epic storm and he's like i am the taiga king right and he's playing <laughs> off he's playing off the culture right the culture is live of with course. this he's like i'm the taiga king i'm playing taiga my deck list starts at underground sea taiga where else would you want to be and so what i do is i'm like well as somebody who loves trolling Bryant at every possible uh, moment that I can, I banked this idea of the Tiger King. So what I did was I superimposed his face onto uh, the Tiger King, Joe, whatever his face, Joe, Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic, I super, yeah. I superimposed Bryant's face onto, Tiger, onto Joe Exotic's face, right? Sure. And then I got that image on a play map. Oh, man. And then... Beautiful. And then we we went to the Legacy Pit. I think it was the Legacy Pit. And we're sharing a hotel room. Uh, it's him, me, and two other people. And the morning of, I'm like, hey, Bryant, I actually want to show you something. Could you sign my playmat? And I pull out the playmat, and it's his face as Joe Exotic as the Tiger King. <laughs> we That's have a great. good laugh. He signs the playmat. But I punted. You know why? We get paired in round one. <laughs> It's like it's like a four hundred plus person legacy event, and Been we get paired in round one. Had I just wait, look here's the thing. Had I, I, I did exactly the plan, right? And if you go back into onto the Epic Storms website, you can read the the play by play of this event, and and Bryant talks about this moment. Uh, there there are pictures on there. It's excellent. It's a real real delight. But had I waited, had I gambled, had I thrown taken a risk to assume that we would have gotten paired round, oh, yeah. round one. Oh, it'd be epic. I, I will never be able to ha live in the timeline where instead of being like, hey, Bryant in the hotel room, can you sign my playmat and showing him there? If we sit down for round one and I unscroll his face as the Tiger King across the table, uh, it would have been so much better. It was, it, it was, it it was been good. an emotional, yeah. emotional roller coaster from me executing a plan that I had, a troll that I had planted a year and a half prior. I was like, this is it. We are committed to the bit. And we committed. But I just should have committed for. Yeah, I should, you should have, have gone all the round. way. I should have given it one time, one time. Of course, we all know that Kurt Ape is the true Tiger King. Kurt Ape is the true Tiger King. When when are we going to see Kurt Ape in uh, MH3? We're going to see uh, Kurt Curter Ape. Yeah, I mean my Kurt my favorite Carter. Kurt Ape is Sky Shroud Elite because of that that hot flavor text. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But um, uh, yeah. So you you got you got in some matches with uh, staff of the storyteller. Um, so yeah. Let, let, yeah, we should we should find out about that first off. Uh, we need some we need some tech here. What is staff of the storyteller? 
Staff of the Storyteller is an artifact for one in a white. Uh, when it ETBs, it makes a 1-1 one, one spirit. And whenever you create a, crea a creature token, you put a counter on it. And then you can pay white and tap it and remove a counter to draw a card. Now, when this first started making the rounds, control mages like myself, we will clamor to anything that says draw a card that could potentially be an engine that we no longer have with top counterbalance. Sure. Many a thing have fallen into this position. We've had search for us content. We've, people have tried to make counterbalance work. I, I, I am among them. Like people moved over to Stoneforge Mystic. We have, now we have staff of the storyteller and people are high on staff. And people, when I first saw it, I was like, what are you guys talking about? One in a white plus an additional white to draw a card. It's three mana for a one-one draw a card that is not legacy playable. No, I don't. Kill? I don't. I look at that card and I think garbage. I think. Well, I think garbage. I, I wouldn't even play this in an EDH deck. I thought garbage. I thought absolute yeah. trash. And then everybody on Twitter, on uh, Discord, yeah, you've seen the tweets. Everybody's like, Phil, 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 hold on one second. You just gotta try staff, bro. It's unbelievable. Staff so good. Staff crazy good. And so I'm like, okay, I am not above. I am not unchangeable, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm going to get some evidence here. I'm being told by people whose opinions I trust that staff is good. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try staff. I tried staff, and staff confirmed trash. Absolute fucking trash. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, dude, it was so bad. Like, oh, maybe, man. You know what staff was? Like, I played staff with eight total token makers, and it wasn't enough. And so I get that, like, there's a position. Did you put where, like, Benny, Bra Benny Brax in the deck, too? Man, I should have put Benny Braxton in. I literally anything to make some tokens to make yeah. it like better than it actually was because it, it was trash. But then I was looking at like other deck lists where they were going with it, and it was like these guys were playing, you know, uh, Wandering Emperor and Stoneforge Mystic, and essentially playing like sixteen blue cards or whatever the fuck. And it's like, okay, team, if we want, if we're, if we're willing to accept literally anything, then sure. But staff ain't it. Staff just ain't it. I played against eight cast and got buried. It wasn't close. Even I feel here's like... the thing. I had a spread where I was playing with staff and it was anemic. And then I also had games where I had multiple staffs and it still felt anemic. Yeah. The, the, the best part of staff, honestly, the only good part of staff was that it disguised spell pierce and spell snare. So the, you, because you hold up a, a white mana, you can hold up a tundra. Yeah. And so you can, you, you, can, you, can, you can coat your counter magic. But outside of that, like that was the best part. People thought I was just holding up for staff and so they would walk into spell pierce. But like the staff itself, trash. Would not, would not recommend uh please nobody else fall into the trap if you wanted to play staff you're probably just looking at playing effectively the same thing that you would play standstill in but staff is a little bit more flexible in that you don't need to be ahead in order to play standstill why not like, just play endless atlas though like i feel like endless atlas like for one more mana you know uh, activation of course uh endless atlas just seems like it's much more reliable as far as card draw is concerned I don't know what Endless Atlas does, but I do Endless know Endless Atlas is, uh, it's a two-mana artifact, and then for two mana, you can tap it and draw a card. Uh, activate this ability only if you control three or more lands with the same name. Okay, yeah, so you have, you just have to be a little bit, you can't play it in, like, the more extensive color decks. But, like, it's also similar to uh, Reckoner Bankbuster. Buster. Yeah. I remember that, that deck, the Reckoner Bankbuster, Shurikai, whatever nonsense, did, like, uh... Well, one time in a challenge, and then nobody ever played it again. I like Shurikai and... a lot as like as like a card to throw in control, specifically because uh, it, it's very hard to remove unless you're playing enchantment. Sorry, uh, artifact removal, or if you're playing Red Blast. Yeah, well, Red Blast I guess is so playing, what makes it playing, unplayable, you know, right? Yeah, of course. If you're playing like anything that if you if you if you get paired against Red, I, I, sure. I think that staff staff sucks. Don't recommend. If you want to play it, just play the standstill shit and then decide if you want staff or standstill. But yeah. otherwise, you're in that same space, and the staff is not the the savior that we need nor deserve. So yeah, uh, so Watsy's kicking indoors with uh, Weezer Records, uh, and uh, and uh, recovering uh, stolen slash lost property, uh, and that's that's like a thing that's happened. Uh, you got any takes on that? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Big corporation does big corporation thing, like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, eat the rich. I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, did they go overboard? Probably. Is the yeah. story on either side probably true? Who knows? Does any of it matter? Not really. We get it. We get the, the spoilers sooner rather than later. And, you know, it also goes to show that, like, everybody who saw these spoilers for Aftermath didn't necessarily, like, half the people that I talked to didn't know that it was a leak. They thought it was just spoiler season again. 
Yeah, I mean, for for me, I'm always like, I still like my I I always put on the tinfoil hat here. I'll, I'll make myself a little tinfoil hat from uh some. There we go. Boop. Tinfoil hat time. Uh, I think this is all all, all the time. It's all made up by by Watsi. Like every leak is just a thing that they did on purpose to create like weird hype. And uh, and so even this, I think, is the same thing. Uh, also, but anyhow. The- the way that they treat leaks every time is different too. There was one time where I forgot what set it was, but a set was leaked and then they just came out and were like, Hey guys, yeah, this leak is real. Here's some of the stuff that we had planned for it. And then they just like shared stuff early. Yeah. And it, they, they were just like accepting that like the well, that's... leaks are, are inevitable because the game is too big now and too many people are involved in getting the cards out. And yeah. if one slips, everything slips because that's how the internet works. Well, that's what happened with it. like the the Kenris Royal funeral. Like that was leaked as a, a and Jarrell uh, were were leaked uh, as like images on on like Imager or something like that. And then uh, a couple weeks later, uh, you know, uh, Blake Rasmussen did did like uh, you know this week the Magic Daily or whatever, and was like, yeah, here are a couple of cards from the set, and it's like just those two cards. You know, uh, and they showed a bunch. They, they showed a bunch of like different variants and stuff. But those were the exact two cards spoiled, so that you know they get around it that way. But this was more like the whole set. I watched the uh, pack opening too, and I don't know, man. My my first look at all these cards is like, uh, yeah, most of them probably aren't legacy playable. I mean, that's that's Magic sets period. Most of them aren't legacy playable. But like, even as as a broader player, I play like a lot of ED. I play EDH every week with with friends. Um, a lot of these cards, like it's a 50 card set first off. So like, if you buy a box, you're probably going to get, get the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of this is like, you know, the, the, the value in this is like, there's some, there's some reprints, like trading ground is like, was like a 30 or $40 card. Uh, and that's getting reprinted. But when the guy opened the box, he opened three trading grounds. So I was just like, wow, that card's going to be shot into the ground, which is because the set is so small. Yeah. It's All totally these cards fine, are going to be way like, cheaper because it's so much better. Yeah, I just wish they would have printed like more, more staples that every like casual staples that everybody needs. Like put, yeah, put uh, anointed procession in there. Put uh, you know, uh, doubling season. Put all those cards that like are super sought after. Instead of making it a fifty card set, which is just wild to me. Like, like I said, like if you buy a box, you get like almost four of everything. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people will be happy about that. But yeah, you could probably could have filled out the rest of the set with like a bunch of reprints. But uh, I guess that like wasn't the point of the set. I think the point of the set. Here's my tinfoil hat. Ready? They're like, guys, we need to cater to Commander at all times. At all times, no matter what, Commander yeah. must be catered to. We must make a bajillion legends with a lot of text, and all of that text must generate more things to do. So every card needs to beget at least a card or put you in position to beget a bunch of cards. Yeah. Nothing can only do a thing. It has to do a thing, plus give you more more resources. That way you yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort things. of become the state of play for uh, for yeah. Commander over the past, like, It's unfortunate know, like that every, every card needs to do, needs to get you more cards. It, it's, un, it's unfortunate because that means that, like, it dwindles at parts of the color pie that card advantage, like, it dwindles at blue because yeah. blue gets, like, raw cards where everything else gets, like, actual advantage stapled onto like other things yeah anyway that aside the i think the argument for them doing this thing was like hey guys we can either make it so we can change the commander's rules and say that planeswalkers can also be your commander or we can just get rid of planeswalkers kill all the planeswalkers yeah yeah uh well so here's here's like uh, there was an article recently that i think was really good i forget who wrote it um, about about Commander, and we won't go into Commander for too much longer, but uh, about Commander, that in 2018, Commander was all about, like, throw your Haymaker down to end the game. Like, play Crater of Behemoth, end the game. And they've slowly been working Commander to a game where it's more about having synergies, having, like, your deck work together with itself. Like, oh, I made a tokens deck, and all the cards in it, like, get value out, out of tokens so that you, like, kind of uh, you you avalanche your opponent with just value, uh, and and I think like this a lot of the cards in the set have that like I think the, to the point of what you were saying is they have that like avalanche of value 
where like you're not playing like people play crater hoof behemoth but like everyone's saving a counter spell for crater hoof behemoth or finale of devastation uh cards like that we're all ready for right like we've all lost that so many times that like as as a commander player you're just like ready for something like that to happen now what what happens is it's more incidental uh you know that's outside of like uh uh, CEDH, which is a completely, uh, honestly, is a completely different format. But, uh, you know, in a regular commander game, like, I think that they're trying to push players more to an incremental value sort of situation. Uh, and that's fun factor. Like, it's fun to do stuff, right? Uh, and that's what the format is a, is really about, is to, like, play with your bulk rares that are now, like, $50, $60 cards. Um, yeah, there, I, I remember one time I was selling cards, and in so I, I had, like, some eight mana red dragon or something in the 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 stuff that I was shilling out, and the Which dude for a Hellkite, I believe. I, I, is I have the card. I have no idea what it was. It was I think yeah. it was like a mythic from like conspiracy or some shit. Oh, but like dude put it down at, in like the eighteen dollar slot, and you know like if a if a vendor is putting something down at eighteen, that means that it sells for it's, like fifty. Yeah, and so I was like, I have no idea what's. I, I mean, I know what's going on, but I don't understand what's yeah. going on. You know. Yeah, uh, it's funny, uh, when I, I bought a case of Return to Ravnica when it came out. That was, like, kind of my first real set when I got back into the game. So I bought a case and uh, opened up all the cards. And it's really funny to me now, because that set was relatively low low in value, minus getting Shocklands. Um, but over time, a lot of cards from that set have just, like, creeped up in price because, you know, like, World Spireworm was in that set, I believe. And um, uh, Utavura Hellkite uh, is, is a card that, like, just every everybody that plays a dragon deck wants that. And and those, like, bulk, cards that we would have seen as bulk rares as uh, uh, as uh, competitive players are, like, $50, $60, $70 in some cases because they're just good in, in like, in decks that are popular in EDH. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's what we'll do. We're gonna go through these uh, March of This Machine aftermath spoilers, and then when we're done, you'll tell me what is the most exciting legend for you to build around, both as a commander, general, and in legacy. Okay. All right, sweet. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, should we wait? Hold on, hold on. Should we call up Bryant and see if he has anything to say? Ooh, we could. Uh, yeah, let's all get, right. Let's well, get Bryant so, back on here. So uh, excuse <laughs> the images because this is what we have to work with. But uh, first we have Nahiri, Forged in Fury. That is four mana, a red, and a white for a legendary core artificer. Artificer, Affinity for equipment, 5-4. Whenever an equipment you control, equip creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. You may cast equipment spells without paying their mana cost if you do, the, if you do it this way. Um... I mean, I wouldn't, not the style of deck that I build. I'm not like, this is a Voltron card. Uh, this is this is not a card I would play uh, personally, but I, I have a friend who uh, who builds decks like this. You know, for all of the, like, they give us so many equipment payoff type things, but there just aren't enough, like, one and two mana equipment that, like, do anything on their own in order to build a deck for it. Like, if there was an equipment that did, uh, like, like Shadow Spear, Shadow Spear has the ability that it turns off uh, hexproof and indestructible yeah. from permanence, but like if there was an equipment that also had like, you know, it's a one minute equipment that does a relevant thing when it equips, but also is a soul guide lantern or like when, once we get into the space where they start combining effects just randomly onto cheap equipment, then maybe we can get to a space where this something like this could see play eventually because then you can actually start churning an engine. But un until that space comes, it's kind of just additional stuff on top of the thing that should already be winning you the game. My, my biggest gripe with this card, aside from its giant mana cost, is it's a vanilla creature. It's just a 5-4. Like, there's no evasion. There's no trample. You, first you know strike. my problem with this? You know my problem with this? My actual hardcore problem with this? How many times have they reprinted Emery? Four <laughs> times? Five it's, times? It's few. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I five say times? Five. I want to say five, yeah. Not once, not a single time have they put affinity for artifacts on Emery. Nope. But now this card going into standard <laughs> says affinity for equipment. Uh yeah. I'll never get over it. I'm never gonna uh, get over all it. Alright, so That's, next we have this this card's an offender. It's offensive. Alright, next all right. we have uh Tarzri, Stalwart, Survivor. That is three mana, two and a white for a human warrior. 
Each creature you control has tap, add one mana of this creature's colors. Spend that mana to activate an ability of a, only to activate an ability of a creature. Activate only if this creature has another activated ability. Uh, and then for Wooburg and tap this, you can mill five cards. All creature cards with activated abilities that aren't mana abilities from uh, uh, from among the milled cards are put into your hand. It's a 3-3. Three, three. I'm sure, like, first off, five color commander. I'm sure it's great. But uh, I, I don't know, like that not not my style. I do love a card that like dares you to build a deck though. Like I, yeah. this deck is de this card's daring you to build a deck. It's daring you to build a deck, and it also has Zerda as its companion immediately. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. They all, yeah, they, they all they all want they ask for exactly the same thing. All right, excuse the fingernails on this one. It's Obnixless Captive Kingpin for a four three four. Uh, two, a black and a red. You get a legendary demon, flying trample. Whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a plus one, plus one counter on Obnixilus Captive Kingpin. Exile the top card of your library until the next step. You may play that card. This is exactly what you're talking about with the, like, they do a thing and then they, like, add value on top of that. So, so what I want to know for the wording on this, whenever one or more opponents each lose, does that mean that you can ping an opponent individually and then get the trigger? Well, it says one or more, right? It says one or more, but like the, so, the each the each always throws me off because if it was whenever one or more opponents lose exactly one life, or whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life. So here's what this card's doing. This card is saying if you deal if you play a card that does one damage to everybody, right? This thing only gets once. one plus one plus one counter. Right. If you uh do if you deal damage to uh one player, this card gets one right. plus one plus one counter. For each instance of uh, that happening. Now, if you have a uh, effect that like pings, like triggers several times, like say, you, let's say you grape shot someone and you ping that guy, you ping this guy, you ping this guy, and you just keep going around. Each instance of that will put a plus one plus one counter on, on this yeah. guy. Okay. But so if they, it was each doing it all oh, at yeah. the same time, it like pestilence, every time you cast, pe you use pestilence, it would only put one plus one plus one counter on Obnixilus. So when I was looking at cards, like I don't think the set is really too huge for Legacy. Like maybe a couple of role players, maybe you'll see something here that it's not yeah. that great. But for Obnixilus, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of an interesting effect. Like you get a flying trampler, that's a big deal, but it's a, it's three toughness, so you, you know, you can't, it's already a non-starter. But then I was like, wait a minute, this card actually does want you to play with Gutshot as a way to convert yeah. some value. So you could theor theoretically play this, have a Gutshot in your hand, and play around a bolt. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and, okay. Okay. And, uh, okay. you know, Pestilence is playable. <laughs> you can play yeah, the, there's a red Pestilence too, isn't there? Which is Mono 4 Drops. We could just be Mono 4 Drops. Yeah, Mono, mono 4 Drops. Dot deck. Um, all right. Next we have Nahiri's Resolve. This is a Oh, wow. We're just going to skip over Sigarda, huh? We're skipping over Sigarda. Oh, I'm going. I'm just going down down this uh, row here. Uh, maybe maybe oh, okay. mine doesn't doesn't match yours. Maybe, maybe we'll get there. I'm, I'm yeah. Sigarda is two two down from this one. Oh, okay, uh, we'll talk about Sigarda then. Then. So Nahiri's Resolve is an enchantment for five mana. That is three a red a white creatures you control have plus O plus one in haste. At the beginning of each end step, exile any number of non-token artifacts and or creatures you control. Return those cards to the battlefield under the owner's control at the beginning of your next end step. So, I guess you know, like if someone messes up your batter skull, you can flash it back uh, in, and it gets a token again, and you can attack with it. It's five mana. It's five mana. We know. We this is obviously built for Nahiri above. Uh, all right, then we have uh, Tybor the Bellicose. Man, I haven't said Bellicose since since 1989 when uh, Beetlejuice came out. Uh, yeah, dude, they need they need adjectives. Yeah, the bellicose is a five four for uh, two, a green and a black elf warrior. Whenever one or more elves you control attack, they gain death touch until in turn. Each creature you control has whenever a mana ability of this creature resolves, put a plus one plus one counter on it equal to the amount of mana that creature produced. This triggers only once each turn. Yeah, sweet, cool. It's cool. Look, I like that's a neat effect. You can build a whole deck around that, I'm sure. All right, Sigarda. Let's talk about Sigarda. Sigarda, Font of Blessings, is a 4 4 for 2, a green, and a white. Legendary Angel, Flying. Other permanents you control have hexproof. You may look at the top card of your library at any time 
You may cast angels and human spells from the top of your library. Phil, here you go, man. Dude, anytime there's a card that says you may look at the top card of your library anytime <laughs> always gets me hard. And then I always lose that because it's, it's always only they, yeah. they, they always let you cast things from the top of your deck and it's never anything that i wanted like it's never any relevant thing like the yeah. closest thing is cemetery illuminator i do like this one though in that uh it being a four four that protects the rest of your board yeah uh, that, that, that there is some relevance in a lot of things like four four in the correct matchup is good it's you can't red blast it you can't blue blast it like it, it's it's one of those things where, i'm sure this uh, card will see play in like maverick as like a one of I, I, I feel like it, it being powerful in that, like, look at the top card of your library anytime, even if you're not converting any value off of it, in, is inherently already has enough value with Fetchlands if the card itself is good enough. Plus, if you ever convert a single card off of it, now we're talking if that hex proof, proof was relevant in any way. So, like, there's enough going on with this card that, like, it being a square statted 4-4 that doesn't die to anything except for the, uh, except for swords, it's like, okay, yeah, we're in that space. Like, does it suck if they brazen borrow it? Yeah. Like, all that stuff because it doesn't have immediate value, but you do get to look at the top card of your library if, it's, if it touches the board at all. So, there, there, it, there's not nothing there. Um, the only other downside is that, like, it can get Caracas, but it means you can also protect it with Caracas. And so, if they... If you have, if your board is protected and you have a Caracas protecting this, they can't point a removal spell at anything else. They have to point it at the Sigarda. And then if you're protecting the Sigarda, you kind of just blank that removal spell because either they have to use it as tempo and then you bounce your thing, and then they can in the window have an additional removal spell to remove another thing that's going on. So like this one seems way more positional to me, but like actually in a range where I could see this showing up in Legacy as a, a like if this showed across the table for me, I'd be like, oh, this card's actually pretty good and has enough going on that it yeah. feels powerful to the point that I would want to own one in my collection somewhere. Uh, and it's the only card that we've talked about so far where I'm like, yeah, this, this could, this make could it. see play. Yeah. Yeah. This could definitely make it. All right. Karn legacy reforged, uh, legendary creature, Gollum artifact XX, uh, his power and toughness is equal to the greatest mana value among artifacts you control at the beginning of your upkeep, add a colorless, for each artifact you control, this mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells until the end of the turn. You don't lose this mana as phases and steps end. Um, would I put this into eight casts? Probably not, but like, you can, you know, like, you, if you have Kappa Cannoneer, you have a 6-6, six, six, but like, if you have Kappa Cannoneer, you're already doing well. Yeah, I think the, the only, my head went to a similar space. I would never see anybody actually playing this because it's not... The decks that, like, already make sense with artifacts in the format don't need a five-mana a five mana thing. Yeah, you know, five-mana like is too already much. Good. Right? This is the, the, the one where I was like, okay, well, maybe if you have... Um, what's the Thopter? The Mold Drifter Thopter in the ACAF? Yeah, uh, that is uh, Thought Monitor. Yeah, if you have a Thought Monitor, it's like, okay, this is a 7-7. Seven, seven, seven. Seven. But, like, then like, you're but already doing fine, you know? <laughs> like, well, Yeah, it's a 7-7 seven, seven that's essentially then doubling your mana because assuming that you have, you know, enough artifacts that you're just you're, you're just churning through, and then it's like, okay, what are you dumping that into? And once you're in that space, it feels like you need ways to pay that off. Uh, yeah. And But because this thing doesn't do... Because you have to wait until your next upkeep to get it, it's not. it doesn't do anything on its own, and it's a ground pounder, and so I'm like, all right, it's just not going to make it. Yeah. All right, Colgan Warmonger. Uh, it's a 3-2 with haste for... Two and a red, Ogre Warrior. Whenever this attacks, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal a dragon card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in any in random order. Um, you trying to dragon, dragon stompy, bro? Dragon, dra dragon yeah. stompy? Oh, dragon stompy. There you go. Hey, bro, this is exactly the kind of thing. Remember back in the day before they just power creep the shit out of everything? That you could just play Ancient Tomb Chalice and then anything on top of it and it yeah. didn't matter? That's I mean, looking this. at the top six cards of your deck and getting a dragon if you're dragon stomping, like, maybe? Yeah, bro. Essentially, like, you're just doing... You can do anything. You can do anything once you have a Chalice in play. True. Uh, yeah, you can move with a ham sandwich. Uh, Drainlith Ruins. Land. Tap for a colorless mana. Two. Tap it. Put two plus one plus one counters on target non-human creature that entered the battlefield this turn. The only utility I see with this card is if you know your opponent's playing Dress Down and you're playing uh, eight cast and you want to stop them from killing your constructs. This <laughs> type of card where it's a colorless land that then has some kind of conditional activated ability has never made it 
and won't ever make it. No. Uh, all right. Calyx, guided by fate uh, for a 2-2 for one, a green, and a white legendary enchantment creature human druid has constellation. So whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Uh, and then whenever uh, Calyx or an enchanted creature you control deal combat damage to a player, you may create a token that's a copy of that non-legendary enchantment you control of a copy of a non-legendary enchantment you control do this only once a turn i let me just point point this out as as a as your uh lead on uh things all things edh i think that enchantment decks are cool i think they're a pain in the ass to play and play against because it's just Trigger, 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 trigger. And you're like, is this person's turn ever going to be over? Can they just win the game? No, they're yeah, just doing only, like only a thousand turn. things. This card only says once per turn, though. No, but I'm just saying, like, what happens is you get, like, 12 of these effects on the board. Or you get, like, t the shrine deck, right? You get, like, 15 shrines on the board. So you, during your upkeep, you resolve, like, 12, 12 things. And it's like, none of these win you the game, but it's all just, like, incremental stuff. And it's super boring to play against a deck like this. Yeah, bro. Uh, especially when there are three other people waiting for you to resolve 15 triggers. It's just, it's a lot. Anyhow. Well, luckily, you'll never have to engage with it in Legacy. Yeah, thank God. Uh, there's a, there was a guy, I forget his name, at, at 20 Side Store that used to play <laughs> Enchantments. Uh, anyhow, uh, Spark Rupture. Spark Rupture enters the battlefield, draw a card. It is a three mana enchantment for two and a white. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Each Planeswalker with one or more loyalty counters on it loses all abilities and is a creature with power and toughness equal to the loyalty on it. This so might be something. I, I actually think that this is... I have played many a Flame Blitz in my sideboard. Yeah. Because the Narset Teferi deck, uh, before it, it just became four color. Yeah. Uh, but now that... Like that deck is sort of coming back into the metagame to some extent. Like it, it's it, it won a challenge, uh, I think in the last month, and you know like just somewhere between four Teferi, four Narset, and then like your one or two of days on doing dot prison pile. Yeah, it, it's a deck. It's it, it is around, and I think having something like this that's not in red is actually pretty appealing, particularly because you can if you play this one like if you play spark or flame blitz and i was playing it because it also has cycling so in the event that you don't yeah, need you get you can cycle it, it away yeah. and it's free this has but cycling too this has cycling too uh and if you think about it in the way that like this is two and a white to draw a card and get the effect as opposed to cycling for two which is what flame blitz has but yeah. what this does is that it doesn't mean that you have to be in red you know like i yeah. that deck was so that deck was so difficult because narset and teferi's static effects are just so punishing for yeah, they just uh, at least the decks that i like to play yeah. that it, it, you, I was overloaded to the point where I'm playing both Flame Blitz and Pyroblast, right? Like, I just need to be yeah. able to deal with the engine of, like, these prison pieces that are also draw engines that are also mistakes. Yeah. So having something like this, where you can play it proactively, draw the card, and it's not just, like, an easy prismatic ending away, right? It's not like they could do the trick where you play your Flame Blitz. Flame Blitz only triggers on the end step, so they could theoretically play their Teferi, bounce it to draw the card, and then make you replay the Flame Blitz to then get rid of the Teferi. So it gives them a window to actually cycle the Teferi. Whereas like, if you play this proactively, you get to cycle and then they don't ever get to do that. They just have yeah. to remove an enchantment first. Now this- Or you get attacked with a 5-5 five, five Narset and, and you feel terrible. No, here's the thing, bro. Like <laughs> if, 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 if you're in a position where like, if my opponent had a 3-3-5-5, three, three, five, five, like a 3-3 yeah. three, three vanilla 5-5 five, five versus a Narset, I, I will happily take three shots to the face, yeah. you know? Like we're not, I would rather take, I, like if somebody cast a Narset and we're like, Phil, you can either have this sit on the board and and impulse them or take 15. I would take 15 100% of the time. Yeah, of course. Even if that taking 15 kills me because I'm dead to the narc. It's just not, it's not miserable, right? It's not yeah. a miserable experience, of course. I, I actually really like Spark Rupture as yeah. a, a okay. sideboard card for that specific. Like, now this is only good because that deck exists. Like, yeah. that's exactly the deck that I care about that I wanted against. But there's also like, I could see this also coming in against the like the big Karn decks, like if we're playing yeah. Karn the Great Creator dot decks, like I could also see boarding this in because most of the decks that you at least are playing like the prismatic ending style stuff, 
getting up to four can be tough. Not every deck can get up to four reliably. If they do, maybe they're splashing unless they're like exposing themselves to Wasteland against otherwise for the rest of the format. So like you're usually soft to Karn. Whatever Karn gets probably going to beat you anyway. Yeah. Like if you don't have the opportunity and you give them a time to untap at the Karn and then they start stone raining you, like you're just fucked. So like being able to have a proactive play that like maintains card parity, that like solves a bunch of problems in an otherwise splashable card, I think uh, is is really solid as like something to have access to. Like the, the cards so far that like I'm gonna want in my collection somewhere because I might use them are at least one Sagarda and then like one to two Spark Ruptures. Yeah. Final point about this in in response to those Karn decks, Flame Blitz is a one mana spell if I'm not wrong, right? It's one mana. Yeah, it's one yeah, mana so enchant. Yeah, so it, it like gets countered by Chalice, whereas this doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like you, you, the the times where I bring it in against Chalice is like pretty rare i mean maybe yeah. well i'm saying stuff, those card decks play chalice generally right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think like the, the biggest thing that i like it's like flame blitz is good but it also checks your planeswalkers in a way where you can't get any value yeah. where it's like the and also like it only happens at the beginning of the end step so it's, it's like a hate piece for the beginning of the end step which is fine but that teferi interaction where they do get a window to cycle their teferi and then you have to replay it so it, like it still cycles like if you played one mana on your flame blitz and then they Teferi bounce it, and then you play two mana, another a second mana to put your Flame Blitz back down. They've spent three mana to draw a card. You've spent two mana, and they're still like in a position where they're not necessarily behind. You know, yeah. so it still feels favorable to them because they're doing the more powerful thing. All right, uh, Goldforge Thropterix is uh, a one white and one blue. Is that a as artifact creature dinosaur Thopter? Uh, Flying lifelink, one, three. Each legendary permanent you control has ward two. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Narset, enlightened exile. Narset's a creature again, guys. Uh, this is one, blue, red, white. A legendary creature, human monks, three, four. Creatures you control have prowess. First off, hello. Uh, then uh, whenever Narset, enlightened exile attacks, exile, target, non-creature, uh, non-land, card with mana value less than Narset's power from a graveyard and copy it, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. There's a lot going on with this card. I don't know that it's it's playable, but it does also have prowess aside from giving all of your creatures prowess. Yeah, I think this card is it's so close. It just dies to like the, my thing is that it, it dies, dies to some red blasts. blasts and blue blasts. <laughs> Yeah, it just dies to both blasts, but like the effect is certainly powerful, you know? Yeah. I mean, at a baseline, cycling your cantrips and then it, it gets in as a four or five is like not necessarily the worst, but you can scale this, you know? I mean, I don't know what other things you'd want to flash back. This I, is, I mean, this is like, is uh, you know, the if there's ever again a a like a multicolored control deck in, in these colors, like a four color control deck that uses these colors, uh, this is like up there with Kess as far as like, uh, it feels very Kess. Yeah, yeah, it feels very Kess in that in that space where it's like, yeah, if you play it, it's probably going to be powerful some amount of the time. And then other times that you play it, you're going to tap out. It's going to die. And then you're going to feel bad about yourself. It just feels like all of these cards like Kess, like this, that would be powerful. It's like you first have to get over that you're like, you're like, okay, well, I could just play Narset Parter or I could play Teferi. And it just, oh, it feels like those cards just box this shit out, you know? Yep. It's like, it may not, but like, it feels like I look at this card and in my, if I'm playing this card, at first I'm thinking, okay, what deck am I playing it in? And then I'm going, wait, why am I not just playing the War of the Sparkwalkers? Yeah. And they kind of just block everything else around out. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong because this deck, this card is sweet and I would love to it's, like, it's it very to cool. show up. Uh, Cosmic Rebirth is one, a green, a white, instant. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard. If it has a mana value of three or less, you may put it into the battlefield. Uh, if you don't put it into the battlefield, put it into your hand, gain three life. Moving on. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's neat and all, but like, what like what am I going to put a Tefri in from the graveyard? That's the only thing I could think of that's th like for three mana. I guess I could I could put uh, Uro in, right? I could just like yeah, cast Uro this and get Uro and gain you know? three life. Uro brings itself back. Yeah, what I'm saying, like I could like I, I could use this to bring back Uro uh because it costs three, right? That's like a thing to do, I suppose. And it would stay in play. Um anyhow, Arnie Metalbrow 
is a three mana three three that's two in a red for a legendary creature human berserker whenever a creature you control attacks or a creature enters the battlefield under your control attacking uh you may pay one in a red if you do you may put a creature with mana value less than the creature's mana value from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking I don't I don't have any idea when when I would ever want this in, in legacy it's a neat and very uh very unique effect but I, I don't know yeah it's not gonna see play yeah all right rebuild the city for three a black a red a green sorcery choose target land create three tokens that are copies of it except they are three three creatures in addition to other types and they have vigilance and menace this card's cool but a little too expensive. Yeah, six mana to make three lands. I don't know. Yeah, that make nine nine damage in three lands. Uh, anyhow, yeah, just play a Mark Tide. Yeah, just exactly. Uh, Plarg and Nas Nas Nasari. Plarg and Nars Nasari. Uh, that is three and two red for an Orca Freak, uh five four. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player uh, exiles a card from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card an opponent chooses a non-land card exiled this way you may cast up to two spells from among the other cards exiled without paying their mana cost there's so much there's so many words on that card for basically draw two cards yeah it's a lot of way a lot of words <laughs> a lot of words to say draw two yeah uh five mana five four that says draw two cards uh Wait. Vesuvian Drifter is a uh, three mana two four. That's two in a blue for a shapeshifter flying. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Uh oh. Uh, at the beginning of each combat, you may put you may reveal the top card of your library. If you do reveal a creature card this way, it becomes a copy of that card until the end of turn, except for it has flying. All right, man. You, you can do your dreadnought stuff again. Yeah, dude. Dread, dread it out. Uh, get, all right. get ready with it. Kiora, Sovereign of the Deep, is a five mana. That is three, a green, and a blue for a legendary Merfolk Noble that has Vigilance in Ward 3 as a five, uh, four, five. Whenever you cast a Kraken, a Leviathan, an Octopus, a Serpent spell from your hand, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the spell's mana value. You may cast a spell with a mana value of X or less from among them. Without paying their cost, put the rest on the bottom in any random in random order. Neat, but like you're not doing that. Couldn't have said it better. Markov Baron, that is a uh, three mana two two vampire with lifelink con and convoke and madness. Uh, both the madness and the spells cost are two and a black, and that is all the text on that card. <laughs> it's a vampire lord. It sure is a vampire. Uh, all right, Tranquil Thrillback is a 3-3 uh, three, three for 2 and a green. It's a dinosaur, and it reads, When it enters the battlefield, you may pay green up to three times. When you pay this cost one or more times, you may choose up to this many of the following things. So uh, I think you have to choose one or more of the... Yeah, you can't choose any of these twice. So destroy target artifact or creature... Exile target enchantment, players. Artifact or enchantment. It's a naturalize. Yes. Naturalize. Uh, Tormod's Crypt. Exile a graveyard. Or gain gain for life. I mean, Moving yeah. 3x kicker. Moving yeah. on. Uh, Reckless Handling is a sorcery for one or red. Search your library for an artifact card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle and discard at random. If an artifact card was discarded this way, Reckless Handling deals two damage to each opponent. It's a neat gamble, but I can't it's think of a reason I would play this. Maybe those red stompy decks want, want that. It's it's tough because this card, because it's just for artifacts, it's like you already have Goblin Engineer to do that. Like yeah, Goblin yeah, Engineer yeah. just entombs you. And it's like if you wanted the card to your hand, there are just better ways to get those cards into your hand, I would think. Like, yeah. It's also the gamble the exists, gamble. Right? Like you, you gamble, have gamble. You, like yeah, you, you have to be playing the first four gambles before you get to this card. Yeah. So it's just like... I see what it's like trying to do, but it's just, uh, it's bad enough given the tools that we have that it won't ever see play. Yeah. PNLR, uh, Console of the Revival. This is a two mana, 
three, two, three for a red and a white legendary creature, human artificer, thopters you control have haste. Whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, create a 1-1 one, one colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> Seems weird. It's, it's a weird stipulation. Uh, See, this is this is one of the first cards that I've uh, in a long time that I can remember that like has the if you do something from exile do a thing clause without a way for you to like exile to do stuff it, yeah. But the thing is, is that I prefer that. Yeah, I, no, I think fine. it's so much like Build your it's deck. so much more. Like, figure it out. Exactly. Like the cards that are like okay, whenever uh, whenever this uh, attacks or an artifact uh, ETBs or whatever, exile the top card. You may play it until end of turn. Whenever you play a card from exile, do a thing. Like it just fuels itself. Whereas this one doesn't fuel itself, so it's asking you questions. And I think that's so yeah. much more interesting. There's nothing, and also there's no shortage of these cards in this set that do that. So it's like you know, sure. <laughs> like I get it, this one's it, only two mana, but like yeah. the the fact that it, it it does a thing, and then. The, after you're done reading it, the first thing you have to do is go, oh, well, what could I play that would make that work? Yeah. Let it's me build so a deck around this card instead of this deck. Self... It... Yeah. yeah. Any 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 of the cards that are self-feeding are like, or like self-feeding endlessly as opposed to like maybe a one-shot, they're, they're just way more boring because you're like, okay, well, I don't have to do anything else. I can just do this thing. Yeah. Whereas this one's just asking a bunch of questions and it's like, it's never going to see play, but it's certainly an interesting card. Yeah. Uh, Leyline Immersion. Uh, this is an aura for three and a green and it says enchant legendary creature uh legendary creature has ward two and tap to add five mana of any combination of colors this may only be be spent to cast spells neat, neat uh, super neat i mean i'm sure that you could probably figure out some sort of infinite combo with this card i'm not interested uh training grounds got reprinted guys training grounds uh all right uh Talarian contempt for, it's an enchantment for three and two blue. When it enters the battlefield, put a rejection counter on each creature your opponents control. At the beginning of your end step for each creature, for each opponent, choose up to one target creature they control with a rejection counter on it. That opponent's creature puts it on top of their library. Or that creature's uh, owner puts it on top of their library. Okay. Yeah, um, it's just like a very long way to not do anything. Yep. Uh... Then we have Samut, Vizier of Nak-ta-moon. Way to sound it out. You love it. Uh, this is a 2-3-4-1, a red and a green. It's a legendary human warrior cleric. Uh, first strike, vigilance, trample. Whenever you, a creature no you trample, control... No trample, it has haste. First strike, oh, haste, vigilance, haste, sorry. haste. First strike, vigilance, haste. Yeah, there would be nothing in, in being a warrior or a cleric that would give it trample, obviously. Uh, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, if that creature entered the battlefield this turn, draw a card. Okay. Yeah, bro. It's got to enter, and it's got to have haste so it can deal damage. Guys, we have a 7-mana Death Rattle Oni, Demon Spirit, that is 6 and a black for a flash. This spell costs 2 less for each creature that died this turn. When this enters the battlefield, destroy all other creatures that were dealt damage this turn. No. Not doing it. I'm not trying not to do it. it, and I'm not doing it. You're definitely not trying to do it. <laughs> uh, Undercity Upheaval. Uh, this is a sorcery for one and two green that says distribute X undergrowth, distribute X plus one plus one counters from among any number of target, uh, among any number of target creatures you control, where X is the number of creatures in your graveyard as you cast a spell. Creatures you control gain vigilance until end of turn. Moving on. Three, three mana due to doing nothing at all, right? Yeah. Uh, Ayara's Orsworn, uh, or Oath Sworn is a two mana human knight uh, with menace that says whenever this deals damage, uh, combat damage to a player, if it has fewer than four plus one plus one counters on it, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then if it has exactly four, search your library for a card and shuffle. So if it gets four, tutor. Yeah, and then it would get to continue to tutor. But okay, so in, in 1v1, let's play this out. Let's assume that you your opponent puts up no resistance and you just get to connect every turn. Two, three, four. Five, then you, six. <laughs> so no, you're hitting for two. Yep. And then you're hitting for three. Yep. And then you're hitting for four. Yep. And then you're hitting for five. Correct. And then on your fifth hit, then you'll get to tutor. So, so you that's... 
two, five. You put uh, them for 14. <laughs> you're, the game better be over by the time you get in, so, get in there. Last, your so last you're, 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 Are you're you just going to get bumped is... in the night? I feel like you just get bumped in the night. <laughs> you're you're just hit them for 14. That's pretty good. I don't know, what, what can I tutor for? I'd probably tutor for something that could hit him for fourteen. Yeah, I, I'd hit him for something that it could hit him for six. I'd tutor That's for, good. Yeah, for a card that hits you for six, right? right? Yeah. Uh, deification. This card is actually pretty interesting looking. Uh, deification is an enchantment that says. As it enters the battlefield, choose a Planeswalker type. So that's a, the name of a Planeswalker, basically. Uh, planeswalker you control of that chosen type have Hexproof. And as long as you control a creature, if damage was de dealt to the Planeswalker you control that would remove all loyalty counters, it goes down to one loyalty counter. Weird. I I get what the point of this card is. It's like is, worship. Flavorfully. It's, wor it's yeah, worship, it, it, right? It's worship and it's flavorful for Elspeth's story in that like nothing actually, like not even the thing that, like the same thing that happened to her is what happened to Urza where it's like he was supposed to be annihilated but instead his spark ignited and became the most powerful like being in the multiverse. And it, like I get where they're going for flavor wise. It's like it's, a, it's an interesting card. My issue with this card is why is it that the people who are playing Planeswalkers are the person we're trying to protect? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it just, it doesn't feel to me like this card is like, if the person has a Planeswalker, they are winning because the Planeswalkers are inherently so much more uh, value generating than anything powerful. else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like to think like, okay, not only do I have a Planeswalker, but I also have this thing that's protecting that Planeswalker. So much, and that so planeswalker much Planeswalker just, manipulation in this, in, in like recent sets too. Very weird. It, it, it just feels to me like if anything, like... We, we need more cards that deal with planeswalkers, not get, not protect them. Yeah. So it just feels weird that like the choice. I get like flavor if they're going for flavor, but it just feels weird to be like, hey guys, we really need to give the planeswalker players something to to help them out. Yeah, they just, are just something to, to make those decks you know, good. The, the, the uh, planeswalkers don't just snowball by themselves enough. We need to yeah. make sure that they can stay on the table. All right, so we've got uh, Jarena, Dauntless General. Uh, for a black and a white legendary human soldier, when it enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard, sacrifice Jarena, humans you control, gain hexproof and indestructible until in a turn. Neat, but I don't see this seeing play. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's too slow in that the graveyard decks are too fast, but like yeah. ETB Tormod's Crypt is not nothing. Like, I, yeah, this, I just don't know I a deck that's black and white. Like, what are you going to play this in Dead Guy Ale? I mean, I've seen people like the, the the off splashes in your decks with Recruiter of the Guard. So like, you know, I've seen them tutor up the two one flyer that can crypt, right? Yeah. So like, if you're in a space where you're be you'd be open to splashing, like instead of it being a two one flyer that can crypt, this is a a crypt on ETB and then also can uh, protect your protect the the rest of your stuff. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not crazy, like. Those are they're, they're good effects on a cheap creature. Like, I'm not. Right, we have. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if this shows up, right? Like, it's it's reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I I would I would be like, yep, that's a that's a hate bear you can put up it, against it, me. Yeah, it's not blowing my mind. It's not getting me hot and bothered, but it sure is like, all right, a good role player. Maybe you'll play it with Coppercoat Vanguard, a two mana, two two, a human soldier that says each other human you control gains plus one plus zero oh in Ward One. Yeah, they're really pushing along these uh, human synergies. Eh? Yeah, man, maybe they'll be a humans deck. Uh, Danitha, new Belenia's light for uh, Dude, one. I, I, you, green... you and I will never be able to pronounce anything the same way. Danitha <laughs> Benelia, and I'm over here going Danitha <laughs> Benalia. Like, we're just tomato, it's, tomato. And that's yeah, man, it's that Ohio be. accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is for one, a green and a white legendary creature, human knight. This has Vigilance, Trample, and Lifelink. Once during each of your turns, if you uh, you may cast an equipment or aura spell from your graveyard. Moving on to, Netropoli for, to Metropolis Reformer. Uh, that is so a two-something. Let, let me just say, on, on Danitha or Danitha or however you want to, sure. to say, this effect is a, uh, a version of Luris. And the second that we have anything that's even remotely close to a Mishra's Bobble for either of these things that are playable in their own right. Okay. Then, okay. Then this is actually pretty good. Yeah. I Okay. Good. Noted. Noted. All right. Metropolis Reformer is two and a white for a, I want to say that's a two, two. It might be a two, three. Who knows? Who cares? 
flying vigilance you have hexproof whenever metropolis performer is dealt damage you would get you gain that much life it's probably Wait. an x3 i can't tell because this guy's thumbs on it yeah flying vigilance you have hexproof it's three mana it's uh it's fine I guess I guess it's yeah like you could play this is another hate bear to play against storm when you could just play like a comball instead. Uh, anyhow, yeah. let's talk about Niv Mizzik's Supreme for Wooberg, legendary creature, dragon avatar, flying, hexproof from multicolored. Each instant or sorcery you control that's exactly two colors has jumpstart. Looks this looks like a neat EDH deck card, but like I just don't see this. Like it's a five five for five mana. I don't see it, see it hitting the uh, board against me in uh, in this format. Sure ain't. Nope. Urborg Scavengers is a lot of words for a two two spirit for two and a black. Whenever this enters the battlefield or attacks, exile target card from a graveyard. Put plus one plus one counter on the scavengers. Uh, it has flying as long as the card exiled with it has flying the same as trooper first strike, first strike death touch double strike haste hexproof indestructible lifelink you could you, you, you could just reach, skip over trample, it's, 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 it's not getting there <laughs> all right blot out target player uh this is a instant for two and a black target player exiles target opponent exiles a creature or planeswalker they control with the greatest mana value among the creatures or planeswalkers they control, no thanks. It's it is another like the only notable thing about this card is that they are slowly inching their way towards giving black removal that says exile. And, and yeah, ex it, it, it should just say exile merit lage, like more merit well, lage hate, right? It, it's not even just that. It's just that like in general, the the stuff that like you need to be able to deal with Uro and. Like if you're black based, if you're a black based fair deck, right? You're not dark ritualing. You just can never beat Uro, yeah. so you have to move into white, and then it, yeah, you need white because you need the exile stuff to get rid of Uro. Sure. And so you just get you just get fucking blanked. Like Uro just boxes your entire archetype out of the format. So as we get closer to them just giving us more exile effects in black that can deal with specifically the things that you need to move into white for a la yes merit lage but more specifically uro in my opinion yeah then you can start looking back at black as a reasonable control color to move into because you're not looking at your removal dying to something that you're like oh wow if i had just played source of plowshares instead this wouldn't be a problem but yeah. instead i'm fucking dying because i spent my removal spell and it just didn't fucking matter yep uh campus renovation is a five mana sorcery that is three red uh and white for uh, return up to one target creature or enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield, exile the top two cards of your library until end of turn you may play those two cards. Man, they just staple in the, that text onto everything these days. Everything, <laughs> everything, everything is a reanimate in this yes. in this set. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about the like also like just Chandra draw two cards, you know, like just reckless are, impulse yeah, just, as well. Um, just we are rebuilding. Everything is rebuilding in this set after the Phyrexian invasion. We have to undo the entire storyline. Everything is a yog will. Yep. Uh, Rocco's uh, Rocco's modern life. Rocco Street Chief is a red, a green, a white for a 2-4 elf druid. At the beginning of your instep, each player exiles the top card of their library until their next instep. Each player may play the card exiled this may play the card exiled this way. Uh, whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell from exile, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature and create a food token there you go there's your uh there's your uh card for what's her face well, yeah, uh, also you see what you see what i'm saying where it's like i get this is group hugging and it's obviously targeted multiplayer but yeah. like it's self-feeding right it does a thing but it feeds itself to do the thing it does so, only do that once though like it's like boom at the beginning of your time. end step it does it at the beginning of oh. every end step never mind so like I, this you you could theoretically just be doing what this thing does without having to do anything else. Yeah. Right. Which is so much like you could do more things, right? To like you you want to do more things if you want the like the second ability says whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile. So like you could do more of that to do more of that, but sure. it's self-feeding. It does so it, it asks, yeah, it does it, it, it doesn't like how many spells how many lands and spells are you gonna play a turn? 
Anyhow, right? Like, yeah, it, it it doesn't ask much of you for to do what it does. That being said, though, like this isn't going to see play in legacy. But I do hope after this conversation that when we go back to New Capenna and we learn what the name of Rocco's restaurant is, I hope it's called Modern Life. Yeah, I hope Rocco's restaurant Modern is called Life. Modern Life. Or yeah. Conglomo. Yeah, it could be that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarkon, Soul of Flame is a 2-4 for one, a blue, a red. He is a human shaman legendary creature. Uh, dragon spells cost one less to cast. Whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you may have... Sarkin, uh, become a copy of that dragon until in turn, except its name is Sarkin. It's legendary in addition uh, to its other types. Uh, cool. Moving Sweet. on to Open the Way. Open the Way is an X green green sorcery. It says X can't be greater than the number of players in the game, so let's assume this is for two. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X land cards. Put those land into play, uh, into the battlefield tapped, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Um, I don't know. This looks like it could it like for I get that it's four mana, but like, do you think lands want something like this where it just no. like continues to ramp? Four mana? I don't know. No, well, yeah. Here, here. The, the the thing that this this card says to me is it makes me think at some point they have to just come to terms with hey. Maybe we should recognize that we're a game engine as opposed to just one game. And we should just allocate certain cards to like be for 1v1 and other cards to be for four player. Because yeah. there are so many cards that like just don't make sense in a 1v1 context. Yeah. Like the first line of this card is just nonsense in 1v1. Yeah. It's just nonsense. But like they have to word it this way so it still functions within 1v1 uh in, in a 1v1 environment yeah. so like there's a ton of cards where they like have to word things so awkwardly to make it so that it, it works in four player but then also could theoretically work in 1v1 but you have to go through a bunch of ho hoops to like get to what they're saying to be like oh i see they intended for this to work in both game engines but in order for it to work in 1v1 it's worded this way so what that really means is the card is saying just this instead and that's like way simpler than wording it the way that they did but they had to word it the way that they did so that it works in four player context and it's just nonsense like it's yep. like I, I i it just it's it looks so inelegant to me because it's just recognizing like okay we are designing for two different games and yeah. we have to figure out how to word it in such a way that it's designed for two different games and it just tilts me every time. It's similar. Like, the biggest offender is Chaos Defiler. Yeah. Well, Chaos Defiler is a perfect example of that. Chaos Defiler yeah. is just like, for, you know, yeah, you choose you choose an opponent and then they sack something. One, one of those opponents sacks it at random or whatever. Or yeah. you destroy it at random. But then in 1v1, it's actually not random at all. It's, it's great. Exactly it's, it's like better. Yeah. It's, 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 it's better. It's it's a, it doesn't better target. Card. But like, it, it exactly destroys the thing that you want, but it doesn't target. And therefore, it's like even better than any of the other things. Yeah. But it's worded in such a way where you have to get over the, you have to get over the hump that random in 1v1 is not random at all. It's actually specific. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, so this doesn't actually say any of what it says. Yeah. It says something entirely different. And I have to like think through the hoops in order to get there. But they had to word it this way because they needed to work in multiple different. It's so, it's just so. Bring elegant bring your one-sided coin uh animus might that is two and a green for a sorcery uh it costs two less if you target a legendary creature uh target legendary creature deals twice that much twice the damage of its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control i also just want to say one-sided coin my previous joke fucking great i deserve a, i deserve a, a fucking award for one-sided coin uh <laughs> this card's garbage garbage uh filter out is a two blue and one for an instant that says return all non-creature non-land permanents to their owner's hand yeah this is this could see supply okay yeah yeah it's like t returning everybody uh, everything that's not a creature or land all right cool hey, hey hey dude at the very least this is something that people who play cunning wish are going to have want somewhere to have access to potentially yeah all right we got wipe, four more cards and then we're done Wipe away, you've seen plenty of play. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nashi, Moon's Legacy. This is a black, a green, and a blue for I don't know what its power and toughness is. It's uh, a 3-4. It's a 3-4. Menace Ward 1. When, the, uh, when this 
attacks exile up to one target legendary uh legendary or rat card from your graveyard copy it uh you may cast the copy so this can't get lands can't get legendary lands so you can't flip that stuff but mm -hmm. I actually think this is probably a little bit better than it seems. Ward one, I think, goes a long way. Well, three four, if, you know, that's that's it, something. It's it, it's a three four, so it's it's just out of bolt range in general. But like all of the things that like would punish it uh, for not doing anything when it ETBs, the ward one actually does a lot of work. So yeah. if your opponent has, uh, it, like if they have uh, a removal spell up, like they have swords up, and you play this, you time walk that effect. It's very similar to how yeah. like. If you run a Thalia into one open mana, it just it just blanks that mana because they can't actually cast it. So, I mean, this can I mean on the stack, it's like it still gets red blasted, but that that ward one goes a long way. And then also being a heavier tax on something like a Caracas, so they have to spend two mana every time in order to flip yeah. it is also you know at, at that point you're just, that's that's equivalent to porting, right? You're spending three to two as opposed yeah. to two to one. Like we're in that similar space. And if you do get to attack, like Menace gets through, like. Uh, you know, rat is is flavor text on this card. It's just legendary yeah. card. So well, if you know, you were just saying about how, like, uh, you know, with a couple extra uh, pieces of uh, pieces of removal and some more exile support, that black might be coming back as a control color. And this seems like a fine like three drop. Yeah, I think like you're still going to be on the in the Euro space because Euro is yeah. just always going to be better than anything else. Um, but like. You know, if we ever get to a, a world where people are just really punishing graveyards, hey man, and deck or what some if we shit, see like, some cool rats soon? You know, who who knows? It's true. I mean, I, 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 in order for you to like want, you could also bring Oro ba back with this. Yeah, but then it just ah, sacks it. The token sacks. You're itself. already playing. You're already playing it. To you needed token legendary sacks creatures, itself. right? Token is sacking itself. But like, this <laughs> isn't. This is closer than than most of the cards in this set so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nissa. Resurgent Animist uh, is a three mana elf scout that is two and a, a green. I don't know. I can't see the power and toughness. Do you see it? It's a three three. It's a three three. Uh, landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, add one mana of any color. Then, if this is the second time this ability is resolved, uh, reveal the top card of your library. If you reveal an elf or an elf card, does that say elf card? Put that into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Yeah. I mean, this is, this can run away with it. I mean, it being, it's, it's just a thicker it's an elf, Lotus Cobra, you know, it is an it's elf. a thicker Lotus Cobra. Yeah. Right. And when I, it, literally the first text, the, the opening line of text for it, landfall is Lotus Cobra. Is Lotus Cobra. Yeah. So it's just another Lotus Cobra that then does something else, but it's still going to die to all the same things. So it's like, if Lotus Cobra ain't making it, I don't know why this would. Yeah. All right, uh, Feast of the Victorious Dead. Uh, this is an enchantment for a black and a white. At the beginning of your instep, if one or more creatures died this turn, you gain that much life and distribute that many plus one, plus one counters among creatures you control. It's Neat. I don't think we're I don't think we're playing that. Uh, this is this assumes that plus one, plus one counters are valuable enough to be on a, to be a card. Like you're spending a card solely for that effect for and like a life. plus one, plus counters. Yeah. It's just not. It's just yeah, not. It's never not. going to be. Um, all right. Final card. Uh, Harnessed Snubhorn for uh, three and a white. You get a dinosaur with vigilance that is a two five. Whenever this deals combat damage to a player, return target artifact or creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. We did it, Phil. We talked about all the cards that got spoiled. We sure did. We <laughs> talked about every one of them. Every one of them. In-depth analysis for most of them, too. Uh, anyhow, I think that does it for this week. Uh, you've been, If you've been with us this far, please remember to uh, like and comment on the video. Uh, I'll be giving away uh, at least at least one card from uh, the, the last of what we have. Uh, tell me what you think your favorite card from this set is so far. What do you think we'll see play? Um and, and that's it for this week. Uh, it's great to have you back, Phil. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.